Welcome to the MFA Made for Agriculture podcast. Here are your hosts, Adam Jones and Cameron Horine. All right, folks, welcome to another episode of the Made for Agriculture podcast. My name is Adam Jones. And I'm Cameron Horine. And uh, we're talking crop protection products today. Um, in the house with us, uh, we've got Jordan Tomlinson. He is our director of crop. Sounds super important. Um, so, which is probably on, on par, but our director of crop protection, uh, here, here at MFA Incorporated. So Jordan, you want to give us a little background on yourself and career, where you've been, all that kind of stuff? Yeah. yeah so the director role sounds more important than it is. <laughs> I don't know about that, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I, I started in the role in, um, April this year. So I started right about the time that everything became short is uh, nobody told me when I came in it was going to be that short, so I jumped right into it. Yeah. (laughs) Before that, I worked for MFA for two years and sold wholesale crop protection um, down in our Arkansas market. So sold independent customers um, out of the Truman Warehouse. Prior to that, I worked for UPL, which was a chemical manufacturer based out of India. Um, So they make a lot of post-patent, one of the largest post-patent generic companies in the market. I got you. Yep. I got you. Okay. Good. You, uh, I mean, I'm sure as soon as I said something about having the director of crop protection on the podcast, everybody probably figured out what our topic today was going to be. Um, but, <laughs> but you also alluded to it, Jordan. So uh, what we want to try to get through today are just, and I, and I think some of this could probably cross just general supply chain issues, but we've obviously, or at least there is talk there's a lot of talk about uh, logistics and supply chain issues in the crop protection industry, in, in ag in general, I mm-hmm. guess, more so probably than, than some other uh, goods or, or pipelines of materials. But as far as agriculture, the two things that everybody wants to talk about are, are fertilizer and crop protection as yep. far as, as things being actually in short supply. So let's go ahead and just get this question off the table. Mm-hmm. Um, is this something that, because I've heard this, which is why I'm asking yeah. you the question this way, is this something that folks have kind of made up to increase prices mm-hmm. or is there actually shortages of some of these things that we've been making for 30 years? Yeah, that, that's a fair question. And I think it's a little bit of both. There are, there's no doubt that there's shortages across the market, but there's also some what we call margin capture Right. That's happening there. You know, a lot of that's happening in China. They know the situation and they know sure. that products are short. And so some there's plenty of people making money off the opportunity, um, yeah. but the products are in short supply. Okay. 100%. It's not just chemicals. You know, it, it's yeah. in all different parts of the industry, but yeah. the crop protection industry has been hit very hard recently, um, especially because of what's happening in China right okay. now. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I was going to say, look, you alluded to it, So, but what what all are the events that are happening to these shortages? I mean, yeah. obviously what's going on in China, but also, um, you know, some of the other things that maybe happened. I mean, I think there's some plants maybe in Louisiana mm-hmm. that got affected by the hurricane, right? Correct, yep. And stuff like that. So can you kind of talk about some of those issues as yeah. well? Yeah, so it's it, it's not one, one thing that happened. You know, it wasn't COVID right. that happened. COVID was one part of, of what happened, especially sure. around the logistics. You know, recently what we've had, like you said, uh, the Bayer plant in Louisiana uh, was affected by the hurricane, mainly uh, from a power standpoint. And so at that plant, they synthesize uh, glyphosate, technical material that goes into Roundup Power Max, 
Bayer also sells that technical material to generic companies and to Corteva and Syngenta for their premixes. So it's a okay. it's an important piece of the supply chain. I got you. That went down there. Um, but so if you back up to last year, you know you had COVID that hit, and mm-hmm. so it shut down manufacturing, and so that immediately started affecting prices, causing products to be short. When you look forward, uh, we got rid of a lot of carryover inventory we had. I know, you know, us at MFA, the whole industry had product in warehouses. We burned through that last year, and now the industry is sitting there and they don't have product. And so the shortages are going to feel a lot tighter this coming year than what we had in the past year. Um, so is that common for entities, wholesalers, at whatever level to, to like, kind of stockpile product like Mm -hmm. that to where your order is not necessarily because I guess in in my uh, mind of looking at agriculture across the landscape Mm -hmm. we generally know how many acres I mean this is America not Brazil we we know how many acres we farm every Mm -hmm. year essentially we know most of those acres how many applications of glyphosate we we use so I'd say on a continental scale we have a pretty good idea of how many gallons of, of the product are being applied to the landscape right. each year. Yep. And so it's it's hard for me to look at a shortage, I guess, because mm-hmm. I'm like, well, we know kind of what we need, right, yep. for the for the entire chain. So is that normal for a, a wholesale level or any level, mm-hmm. I guess, to kind of build up like that and then, and then pull through that and then make yeah. a big order at once? Or is it more, do you guys do more like, oh, I'm going to order this much every year no matter what? Yeah, it's... Uh so to answer your question, I, there's always traditionally been inventory okay. in warehouses. We have a weird dynamic this season uh, right. where it's short, but traditionally you've got Bayer and you have BSF. You have all of these companies. Their big initiatives in the off-season is to get the product in the warehouse because if the product's in the warehouse, you know they already have the sale. And right. so uh, you know we don't roll out of a summer season before be, you know, Bayer, BSF, Syngenta are putting out early fill programs for the following year. So there's always a 20 to 30% inventory level okay. in the channel. I got you. And so this year is unique because we don't have that. Okay. Uh, we don't have these fill programs. We don't have the products to fill. Right. Okay. And then like what level is that coming from? Is it, and you just alluded to the fact that sometimes the, you know, the base ingredients for these are made <laughs> in the same plant. Yep. But I guess, is that does that include generics um, and, you know, we all know the, the main chemical companies, you know, mm-hmm. BASF, Corteva, yeah. Bayer. Um, is it the kind of the big ones and the generics as well, or is there a shortage worse on one end or the other of that? You know, really the shortages are, they're across the board. So if you look at the crop protection <laughs> market, there's only a handful of active ingredients. We have a thousand different products, but just sure. a handful yep. of active ingredients. Right. And so many of those active ingredients, the majority come from China or they come from India. Okay. Uh, you know, recently in China, um, yellow phosphorus plants have been shut down due to uh, carbon initiatives. So I'm sure everybody's aware of the situation in China. So China accounts for 50% of carbon emissions mm-hmm. globally. Right. So they have huge initiatives now to try to lower that. And by doing that, they're shutting down these industrial plants. So in China, you have four provinces that make all of the glyphosate and glufosinate, so the, the Liberty and the, the Roundup technical material. Okay. And this past month, three of the four were shut down, and then at one point, all four were shut down. And so when they, they don't run for a month, they don't make technical material, and the technical material doesn't come to the United States. So a lot of people think that we make product in the U.S., but we really just formulate. Okay. So 
it's expensive to ship water overseas, and so we try to bring in the the raw materials, active ingredient from China, and then we formulate in the United States. So, um, like the Louisiana plant is a formulation facility for Bayer. Okay, I got you. Yeah, that makes sense. Is there is has this created any discussion on the back end of moving some of that production out of such a geopolitical? Is it okay? Is it okay, Cameron, if I call yeah. China a geopolitical nightmare? I'm he doesn't seem say, upset about it. I'm going <laughs> to say it's okay. <laughs> we might get our hands slapped. Yeah. <laughs> uh, has there been any discussion of, of moving mm-hmm. some of that out of that geopolitical yeah, nightmare? There's, there's been a lot of manufacturing moving to India okay. uh, over China, only because they're not facing a lot of the same challenges. Mm-hmm. It's going to be hard to see a lot of that move to the United States just because of the cost yeah. of production. And right. we don't have the availability of the product, Right. you know, the raw goods. Right, then you're the shipping the raw goods versus the formulated. Yeah. But we have seen a lot of people moving those uh, technical facilities to India and some other places instead of China. Okay, okay. Yeah, that's interesting. Mm. It's, yeah, it's just... It's, it's crazy because yeah. it's stuff that, again, we've been spraying for 30 years. I mean, it's, right. not, it's not like this is, a, this is a brand new product. Oh, yeah. we just don't have it yet. Yeah. You know, one of those yeah, kind of deals. There's been so much consolidation in that market. You know, you used to have so many manufacturers of glyphosate technical material. Okay. And now you really just have you know, two or three big manufacturers. And so they really can take advantage of situations like this. Right. You know, when we start having shortages, you know, we talk about capturing that additional margin they're more able to do that because there's not competition in that manufacturing market. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's one of those things that, you know, I've heard it a couple of times this fall. People are saying, they're like, I've called around and tried to find it and blah, 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 mm-hmm. you know? And, and they're like, I don't even care what price it is. I just, I just need to find it. Yeah. Like who would have thought 18 months ago, what, I mean, even closer than that, probably yeah. that anybody would be having that discussion. They'd be arguing over, <laughs> You know, well, you know, whatever company is going to sell me glyphosate right. at thirteen dollars a gallon, and some this guy is going to sell it to me at eleven. Yeah. And heck, with that guy is going to sell it to me for thirteen. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, it's just it's crazy that we've kind of mm-hmm. come to this point where people are not even looking at the price; they're just right. like, "Can we get it?" Yeah. yeah. Now they're like, "Oh, forty-four dollars. Okay, mm-hmm. yeah. I'll take it. Yeah, I'll take as much <laughs> as you can give me." You yeah. know, it's just it's it's pretty wild. Yeah, it's a it's a weird time. You know, we we like for manufacturers to bid on our business at MFA. And, you know, we're in a weird spot now where we, we're dependent on all of them. You know, just like a grower this year is going to be dependent on all of their, you know, providers for inputs um, because there's just not enough to go around. And it's definitely going to be short. Glyphosate will be one of the shortest okay. this coming year. Glufosinate, uh, Liberty and Interlines, the generics, they right. look like they're in a little bit better position okay. than the, the glyphosate tech. Huh. How good of a position do you feel like they look like? I'm going to put you on the spot. Yeah. Here, <laughs> yeah. here at the end of October hold 2021. Hold on, so. Cameron, the mic is still on. So. <laughs> I'm just kidding, Jordan. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, it looks good, uh, but I don't want to put a number on it. <laughs> you know, that's the whole thing. That's a good these, way to cover yourself. With these yeah. markets, is, you know, everybody's only as good as the information that they're getting. You yeah, know, right. so Bayer gets information from who supplies their tech in China. You know, that that's all the information they have and they pass it to us. And so it constantly changes. Yeah. So are those the main two in, ingredients or I say ingredients, are those the main two products, the, the glyphosate, the glufosinate mm-hmm. that, that we're talking about here or are there kind of others? That... It is. It, it, it's widespread. It's across the board. Um, when you look at all of those active ingredients, there's a handful uh, like metribuzin that'll probably be in good supply. But fungicides, insecticides, right. all your herbicides, 
are really, uh, they're going to be short. And what we're seeing is, as people realize that glyphosate and some of these other products aren't going to be available, they start to look at products like clethodum, you know, or things that traditionally we wouldn't use a lot of. And so that's caused shortages just because nobody expected to produce that much. Right. And you don't just turn a switch on, you know, and have truckloads of clethodum. No, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think we saw that last year just when we first ran into the issues with glyphosate. A lot of people were switching to clethodim, and that just put up. And now, you know, it's they're trying to play catch-up more than anything, and it's hard to do that. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it just kind of passes the buck down the the chain. That doesn't really really help too much. And when you look at, you know, it's not just trying to get the active ingredient over. We saw last year we had totes. You know, we couldn't get packaging materials in time, you know, inert ingredients. So right now, um, our 2,4-D LV6 supplier is backlogged. It's not because they can't get the technical material. It's because they don't have the inert ingredients that go in there to help put it into solution. Right. right. And so, you know, it's, it's, a fragile, uh, it's a fragile system. It just takes one little piece to not be there at the right time that it, it falls apart. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I could see that. And I could see that on the packaging piece, too, you know, um, you know, some of these products, all these products come in jugs. I mean, mm-hmm. we get totes and yep. bulk fill on some things, yep. but there are certain products that, that just doesn't make logistic sense. And right. so um, when you run into issues like that, that can also be a backlog. Yeah. So, you know, and there's a lot of pricing inconsistency. Uh, we have suppliers that will purchase, uh, Paraquat has been a big one. So uh, active ingredient in Gramoxone. Right. So as it's coming from China overseas, there's a price that Syngenta will have agreed, you know, coming out of Shanghai, before it gets to the United States, they'll call and say, hey, you know, what we agreed on, now it's twice as much. You know, and you either have to buy it or, or somebody else is going to come there and buy it. And so hmm. a lot of these products that we used to be able to depend on, you know, this is our price for the season, we don't know until the product physically hits the warehouse. Right, right. Yeah, that's pretty wild. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so... We're talking about this. It's it's still October for the mm-hmm. next couple of days, I guess. Here, um, we really are sitting on six to seven months before we're hot and heavy using some of these products. Yeah, I mean, I know we're all we're, we've all switched gears and thinking about twenty twenty two now, um, but the reality is, you know, it's it's May or June before mm-hmm. a lot of these applications get made. Yeah, what can we do in that amount of time? Um, are we the, I mean, are the manufacturers working to, because I assume, I don't know what, and maybe you can go into this a little bit too, like what the lead time is mm-hmm. from a product originated, say, in that Bayer facility or wherever, yeah. but how long before that hits the warehouse and hits the tank of a sprayer somewhere? Yeah. Um, but can we, I guess, can we close the gap in the next six months, basically? On some products, I think we will. You know, one issue that we're seeing is there's only so much uh, capacity at these formulation facilities. And so what, you know, if you're a company and you're selling product, you're going to focus on products that make you the most money. Sure. Glyphosate and glufosinate aren't the products that make you the most money. And so what we're seeing is they're starting to prioritize these products that they're going to be able to have, you know, a higher profit margin on. And so I I worry that we get six or seven months into the season. And I I still think all those same challenges were, are still going to be there. You know, us as MFA, we should be in one of the better positions. So we're a member of Tencos, which is a large buying group, uh, the largest in the United States. So we have a little bit better insight and a better position uh, that we can take on products, but it doesn't mean that we're not going to come up short in some places on what our customers want. We'll always have solutions, 
Sure, um, sure, yeah. Well, I, mean, I think that's more. the takeaway is that there's always going to be solutions. Guys want clean fields. We can make sure that happens. It just we may have to be a little bit more creative in how we do that. Okay, okay. And so when you say some of the things that that have the higher profit margin mm-hmm. or that make guys more the companies more money, mm-hmm. I mean, are are you talking about some of the residual products there or like what? Yeah, so fungicides are huge. Okay. So okay. Uh, you know, in the crop protection space. Um, you know, fungicides are, are good for Syngenta. They're good for all of those manufacturers okay. as far as profit centers. I got you. And so, you know, we saw a big push on fungicides um, last year. They're anticipating another big push on fungicides this year. So they're prioritizing space for those. Um, those those pre's and residual products are big. And then a lot of these mixes are always good profit centers mm-hmm. for these okay. companies. Yeah. And that's, that's another thing that I think that guys should look at, and we've talked about it some, Cameron, but you know, products like Sequence, Halex GT, you you may get your glyphosate, but you may it may be in some kind of a mixed form right. with another product. Yeah, and I think we're going to see that. I think we're going to see that a lot with some of these newer premixes that companies are coming out with that have glyphosate in yeah. because that's going to be probably the best way that, well, from their side, that's where they can make money because yeah. it's, you know, that being manufactured that way, but it's mm-hmm. maybe the only way we can get glyphosate in some of our products. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So basically forcing you to buy another active from mm-hmm. the same company because right. they're like, Oh, well we've got this it's yep. got glyphosate in it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I guess it makes sense. Sometimes it's unfortunate that they, that things make sense, but yeah, it is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's, this is going to change. I don't, it's not, we're, we're far from done with it. Yeah. I think the days of, cheap glyphosate and cheap glufosinate. Um, I don't think that we're going to see them go back to the levels that they were at. I, I, the carbon initiatives in China and okay. the manufacturing issues, those aren't going to go away. You know, the logistics issues and the COVID issues, they will. Yeah. But I, I don't think that we'll see those low, low levels just because of the recent consolidations. Okay. Well, and I was just going to ask you what the difference was because, you know, we, we saw those high levels. Mm-hmm. I don't know how long it's been now, but 10 years ago, maybe roughly 10, 12 years ago, we saw some of those really high levels and I don't, I'm not putting you on the spot, Mm -hmm. but there may have been some guy saying that we weren't going to go back down from there. And Mm -hmm. we went back to, you know, $10 glyphosate or whatever at at some levels. Yeah. So, but, but you think that a lot of, lots changed, I guess. I do. Yeah. You know, supply and demand issues are always going to be there, you know, and that's what, um, the COVID piece, you know, that was where, where it played in. But these climate initiatives, I don't think that they're going to go away. And so that's going to affect the pricing moving forward of those products. They're going to level out. You know, and I think us as a wholesale company, you know, from my standpoint, you know, we're trying to be careful as to how big of a position we take every day on yeah. this glyphosate that's $40, $50, because at some point there's a good chance it goes back to the $20 level or the $16 level. You know, we don't want to be the ones holding that high dollar stuff at the end. So it's a balance. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that makes it challenging. And it's just like when in a, re- in, you know, podcast with, when we did it with Crystal Moss talking about fertilizer costs, it's hard. You know, it's mm-hmm. the difficulty of forecasting and projecting out from that because you don't want to get stuck with yep. fertilizer or chemical that's, you know, way higher than where it's eventually going to go. Cause yeah. Then you're trying to figure out how, you know, how you're going to move that product without taking a big loss. Yeah. Yeah. And I will say, you know what, I don't think this is a, a time to start panicking. You know, if I was a grower and I'm listening to this, you know, I, I hope that it's not a time to panic because so far very few growers have bought these products. You know, right. us as men, you know, as uh, 
distributors, you know, we're trading product back and forth, and a lot of what we're doing is we're probably driving the price up um, before yeah. it even gets to the grower level. And yeah. so we don't know where it'll truly land until we get into season. We all want the business. We're going to be aggressive. We're going to make sure that we're pricing it right yeah. to the grower. Yeah. So, Well, I appreciate you saying that because, honestly, like if you listen to the – and I probably listen to too much of it for my blood pressure. but You do. Uh, <laughs> But if you listen to kind of the, uh, you know, the ag news sector, I mean, there I literally heard some guys say the other day that, um, that it's like, oh, I don't know about planting cover crops this year because I'm not going to have chemical to kill it. Yeah. And it's just like that kind of stuff drives me crazy right. because it like it's just you, you can't live. You can't live with your management sequence like that. You know yeah. what I mean? Like you have to understand that. Well, there's multiple ways to do that. Yeah. It, whether you got a cover crop growing out there or not, you're still going to probably spray that field with glyphosate. Right. It like there's really not a great uh, there's not another great alternative there. Mm-hmm. So it's really not changing your chemical program. You know yeah. what I mean? Like yeah. I, I wouldn't be like significantly changing your management decisions next year based on right. You know. Yeah. What, some some, some inconveniences now and yeah. right. Yeah. Some perceived stuff because again, like we said, you know, it's like you're not actually going to be taking in those boxes of bottles or whatever mm-hmm. for another. I mean, months right. from now. Yeah. So, I mean, it's certainly not going to be hitting the tank of the sprayer for months. Yeah. So, yeah. but. Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's a good time to plan. You know, if you're a grower, if you're a retailer, it's a good time to plan your season. Yeah. And to make sure you have a plan in place. But, yeah, it, it's not a time to to be scared and to go out and make decisions that you typically wouldn't make. Right. Right. Um, exactly. You know, and we've talked about, I mean, we've talked about it some. And I know that, you know, as our, you know, our cams and our agronomists out there they're trying to put together cropping plans and that's really important is having a cropping plan and having a general idea of okay this is this is one plan that i have if everything works perfect but if not here's what you know where we can make changes and differences so we know you know what's coming and we can help adjust yeah so because if you try to be rigid especially in this today's market it's going to be very challenging well, and, and I mean, you can tell me if you agree or not, Jordan, but I feel like we've been a little spoiled in the last five to seven years mm-hmm. that, I mean, I didn't necessarily have to make that plan mm-hmm. because right. anything I wanted, yep. there were 14 people lined up at my door with it on the truck trying to sell it to me, right. ba- basically. I mean, I, yeah. but I feel like it's that that's definitely not the case now, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. so I probably need to be a little more intentional about making those Yeah. Calls. I, yeah, so. I think I think that's the most important from from the field level, even the retail level, even our level is to just plan. We're doing the same thing with our manufacturers. If we let them know what it is that we're going to need, now's the time that they can start putting those plans together to make it for us. And so, right, you know, that goes all the way down. Yeah. So putting that plan in place is good. Doesn't mean it can't change. No. Uh, no. And and working with your industry partners, you know, I, I think um, we tend to sometimes look at. Uh, at, at manufacturers, at, at wholesalers, at, at, you know, we scowl because we, we, we think about the price differences and, and those kind of things. But those folks really are our partner mm-hmm. from the grower side. I mean, honestly, if, if they can't get me what I need, then I'm, you know, I'm in trouble, right? Yeah. Yep. So, I mean, yep. I, it's, it, that's not necessarily my adversary. That, yep. that is my partner. Yep. And, and I think communicating as much of that information across that gap as you possibly can to yep. say, you know, I've... Um, whatever, back to my cover crop example, you know, I've got 200 acres out. Mm-hmm. I'm going to need, you know, this many, you know, pounds of active an acre to, to terminate that. Yeah. Um, just 
don't need it right away, but I want you to know that I, I need it. You yeah. know, that those kind of conversations are probably what I would say just need to happen more mm-hmm. often. So, yeah. I, you know, we saw it last year. This past season, we had liberty shortages, and we had a lot of shortages. There was a lot of good communication. Yeah, you know that was happening. Yeah. I don't. I. I don't want to go out too far on a limb and say that we didn't miss any business, but I think MFA as a whole did a great job moving product where we need to move it. We got it put in place, and we'll do that again. I mean, we've got a good supply chain system and a good group of people, and we've got the you know infrastructure in place, the bulk systems in place. Right. So. Right. And these are, I mean, these are bulk system products mm-hmm. yep. that we're talking about here. Yep. I mean, these are not something that you only need a one gallon jug That's right. somewhere. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And we've tried to be very intentional as far as how we purchase. You know, we've moved a lot of products to bulk and yep. we've immediately placed all our orders for empty totes. You know, so there's no, no excuse to not be able to fill that stuff up yeah. this year and be waiting on somebody else to do it. Yeah. So yeah. easier to control when you've got a bulk tank full of product and you have the tanks to fill. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. That makes all sorts of sense. And if we, you know, if time is a constraint, we'll send Cameron down there and he'll fill totes up. Yeah. He's that's happy fine. to do sure. it. Yeah. You know, hashtag team spirit. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. One thing I, I think we, I talked about a little bit, what is the kind of the lead production time? Like, I mean, is, uh, on stuff like <laughs> if, if, if they can ramp up production or if we do end up ramping up production a mm-hmm. little bit, I mean, how long does that take to get to where it's going, essentially to one of our warehouses or whatever? Yeah, so it depends on the product Okay. a lot of times. So glyphosate, as an example, you know, from the time it leaves, you know, technical materials made in China, by the time that it gets to the United States, you know, and is shipped in, it's usually start to finish six to eight week. Okay. Uh, total lead time okay. there, and, the, and glyphosate's not hard to produce. You know, that's why there were so many people in the United States making it. So many different generic brands. Yeah, but um, it, it's hard to it's hard to put a time frame on them anymore because you've got ships hung up, you know, mm-hmm. out yeah. in the bay and out in the harbor that that can't come in, and so and then it comes in, you can't get them unloaded, and then you can't find trucks to haul them in, and so um, the lead times are all over the board. Okay. We we intentionally sat down in July this year and said that we want to order most of our product for the coming season, place those orders, and we still haven't seen a lot of those, and they were placed in you know in the end of July. Okay, uh, those products like metulaclors or S S metulaclors, mm-hmm. um, glyphosates, two four Ds, atrazine has been a big one. Yeah, uh, so we use just under 200,000 gallons of atrazine in a season. That's one that normally just churns right out. And, uh, you know, we were expected the first time to get it in August, and then it was September. And now it looks like maybe we'll get a little in December, but probably going to be January or February. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm not asking you to make any enemies here, but Mm -hmm. um, of of kind of the majors, Mm -hmm. are there any of them that are in a better or worse situation from a supply availability standpoint? Yeah, you know, if you look at, at national retailers, you know, mm-hmm. Nutrients and Helena's, I'm biased obviously towards MFA. I feel like we're in a little better position because of our Tencos relationship and the way we buy from multiple manufacturers. You look at somebody like Nutrien um, and their glyphosate, I believe it's Mikazi uh, was their house brand that they have. So they manage their own brand of Glyphosate okay. is typically from one producer, right? You know that's making that, so they're not as uh, diversified out in the market as we have the ability right. to be. I got gotcha. you, and so that helps in times like these. Yeah. So what about like the the Cortevas, the Bears? Mm-hmm. Like, is is 
is there any, are there any of them like you're the valence or whoever, mm-hmm. like, are there any of them that are like, Oh yep, Everything we sell, we've got, yeah. Or, or like, are there yeah. ones? I'm not that afraid. Are... To, I'm not afraid to make enemies in this one. Because, yeah, <laughs> there are definitely, we have manufacturers that have done a very good job. Uh, okay. You know, I'd say uh, Syngenta did a really good job okay. for us last year. And they have so far this year, they're very proactive to say, Hey, this looks like it's probably going to be tight. Let's make sure we get yours locked in. Um, on the other end of the spectrum would be Bayer, okay. you know, I, and again, I think that it goes back to they're only as good as the information that they're given. Mm-hmm. But I think as as a whole industry, back in June or July, we knew that glyphosate was going to be short for this coming year, but Bayer wouldn't let us know that. You know, they came out with an early fill program and said everything was going to be fine, and here we are at season, and it looks like you know a power max supply is going to be eighty percent of what it was last year right so but they were letting people book an early fill correct program yeah 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 and so it's just that that makes it a little bit more of a mess from an mfa standpoint from uh, a distributor standpoint if we know products are going to be short i think we do a good job of saying hey this is what we have and we get with our leadership team and we make sure that we take care of everybody we need to take care of but when we don't have that direction from our manufacturers what happens is we get product in the wrong place and then we get cut off and we don't get to take care of everybody we need to. Right. Well, yeah. And I mean, I, I think it's just like a, just a, the same as a grower placing an order with us. You mm-hmm. know, if, if they place an order with us and we don't say anything, yep, we'll get it to you as yep. soon as we can. Yeah. That assumption is made and that person goes on on right. their yeah, day, they right? they're going to get it. Yeah, yeah exactly. Whereas, yeah. you know, if they place an order and, and we're like, whoa, whoa, mm-hmm. I, don't, I mean, we'll do our best, but I'm not sure. Yeah. Then that person can say, okay, like I know that now and mm-hmm. I, I probably need to start moving it like shopping around or, yeah. or doing whatever I need to do to make yeah. sure I look out for myself there. Yeah. I think, I think all of our manufacturers have learned a lot through this process because it was all new to everybody. You know, BSF took a position this year and came out of the gate and said, we're going to put a supply plan on the majority of our products. And, uh, you know, it got some negative pushback because everybody wants more than what's on there. Oh, yeah. Uh, But it does help because it makes sure that somebody like a Nutrien or Helena or a Tencoast doesn't come in and take more than their fair share and not leave enough in the market. Right. And so, uh, like, yes. There's there's been ones that handled it better than others. Interesting. Yeah, I, I figured there was. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, in our generic suppliers, they're all over the board. You know, so many of them are they're in and out of of products year after year. I got you. And so it's a little bit more unstable. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Are most of those domestic companies that are or like who are you dealing with like on some of those generic? Most of our generic companies. Um, no, most of them are not domestic companies. So we have okay. uh, All Ball would be our largest. Uh, okay. A lot of our glyphosate comes from them. Our LV6s come okay. from them. Mm-hmm. Now they source those materials sure. from overseas. Sure. Um, but UPL and Adama are huge. Adama's owned by Syngenta. Okay. And, uh, and they're both um, overseas. One's in India and uh, I think one's in Israel is where it's based. Okay. Okay. Interesting. You you brought this up a little bit, but going into some of the other um, products mm-hmm. that you know, some of the, like the foliar, um, foliar nutritional mm-hmm. type stuff, or you mentioned insecticides and fungicides, mm-hmm. but that's I feel like what that's going to be the hurdle that we have to jump next. Yeah, you know, right. we're all we're all talking about glyphosate now because mm-hmm. we want to do burn down. Yeah. but you know that that's going to be the next hurdle. Yeah. Um, 
you mentioned there may be some issues there, so stuff with the foliar kind of nutritional mm-hmm. stuff as well, or? Yeah, so uh, you know, our adjuvants and surfactants, not as much. Now okay. they, they are gonna be affected by price. So okay. you know, mm-hmm. across the board, we're gonna have price increases, you know, five to 10% over last year. Right, uh, and part of that you probably have to assume is transportation. That's right. Shipping yep. and transportation. That's right. And you know a lot of these uh, petroleum-based products, you know, mm-hmm. just because of, of the rising yeah. cost, yeah. Um, have gone up. Our nutritionals right now we seem to be in a good spot. So most of that is domestic. Most okay. of that we have to forecast so far out in advance um, that we look to be in a good spot. We had a little issue with a citric acid, which goes into our gold, one of our gold advantage brands uh-huh. uh, that delayed it a little bit this year, but looking forward to next year, I think that we're going to be in a good spot with those. Those would be the ones that I wouldn't be concerned about. Really? Okay. Well, I would say, you know, you say that not being too concerned about mm-hmm. it, but if you think about forecasting and you just know the fertilizer prices are so high, we may have some people that, you right. know, diminish the, what fertilizer they put out because they're yep. trying to, you know, stay on a certain budget plan that they may have. Yeah. Per acre basis, do you potentially see maybe foliars being utilized more by some guys, hoping that maybe that could be a cheaper option for trying to get some nutrition nutrients out on their crops? Yeah. In the year. No, that's a good point, and that's one thing that been hard to budget for. You know, last year we looked at previous year sales, and you know we put a ten percent or fifteen percent right. increase, and we were way off. You know, we almost doubled that business last year and so yeah. looking at this year it's, it's hard to plan it's hard that's to forecast a, that yeah, but that's a that is a factor that you have to think about is you know if these fertilizer prices are right like that and there's going to be supply issues and i mean you know and it's in the agronomy you know we've tried to explain to people that nutritionals are not going to replace your base mm-hmm. soil no. fertility yeah. um that's just not where it's going to be but we know in the reality of you know if our pk and nitrogen levels are still really high on that fertilizer price there may be somebody who tries to, you know, get some nutrients out of our foliars mm-hmm. because maybe they can get it. Maybe that becomes a cheaper option right. for some of those things. And so, just trying to figure out the supply piece of that, I could, I can imagine forecasting for that could yeah. be, will become a challenge. Yeah, it will. Yeah, and on some of your your other products, you, know, you mentioned uh, insecticides. Mm-hmm. Our lambdicides, acephates, they're all going to be, they all look to be in short supply. Okay. Initial pricing from those suppliers is pretty aggressive. You know, some of it's uh, twice as high as it was last year. Um, that's not, doesn't mean that'll be the price when we get to season, uh, but they're obviously pricing based off the small amount of supply they have. Yeah, uh, yeah we saw some bifenthrin prices this past week that were almost $100, where we were usually around, you know, mid-50s. Okay, yeah, interesting. And, and are they just testing the marketplace at that level, you think, or like? You know, I think it's a, it's a function of our system where we all want pricing. Yeah. And so they have to give us a price. And so sometimes if they don't want to sell it, they'll price it high enough that nobody buys it. And so okay. I think we're seeing a lot of that in okay. some of those cases. Okay. Yeah, and that makes, that does make sense. Because there's such wide swings. You know, you'll have yeah. a 60 or 70% swing from one manufacturer to the next. And I think it's just on who has product on the floor. Yeah. What about like an egg? I mean, again, I probably listen to too much stuff. Gets my blood pressure too too high. But Cameron mentioned the fertilizer price thing. You know, I think everybody's perception is, and this perception does not equal reality. Mm-hmm. Everybody's perception is we may see a, a bit of an acreage shift next year mm-hmm. away from corn, um, just because of the nitrogen yeah. uh, fertility prices. Um, 
how much does that change? I mean, it does. Mm-hmm. It has to. Like, yeah, <laughs> what, you what got, you've purchased. Yeah. yeah, what you need or, what, or some of those forecasts that you yeah. kind of talked about. Yeah, that's something we're taking into consideration. You know, uh, rice is, is small. It's pretty big for our trade territory in the south. But, you know, rice takes a lot of urea uh, yeah. and then corn. So those are two that we could see decrease. And they're high input crops, you know, from right. a crop protection standpoint. And um, that's hard. It's hard to gauge. Sometimes I'm afraid to talk too much about sure. acres yeah. swapping because I'm afraid that they'll just do it because people say it enough that I, everybody will think that, they're, that and they I, should. I'm exact. I mean, I am 100% yeah. on board with yeah. that because, yeah, you hear it everywhere and you're like, I don't really know that that many people do that, yeah. you know. Um, but uh, but at the same point, you know, it, those things do happen. And I, I mean, right. when, yeah, and when you... Um, it's one thing to start getting talking about getting off rotation, but when you start budgeting for a dollar or more per unit mm-hmm. of nitrogen for, mm-hmm. for a crop that you may call for 200 pounds or something. I mean, you, you're yeah. talking significant input at right. that point. And, and they could, you know, I think. Swing. Yeah. yeah. So, and then when it swings that, I mean, we think about glufosinate. I mean, mm-hmm. how many acres, I mean, almost all of our, almost all of our varieties these days have glufosinate yeah. resistant, just yeah. like mm-hmm. all the glyphosate. So yep. then, you know, where does that really start to affect our shortage supply in that yeah. marketplace then if we start having more acres than what was originally yeah. forecasted? And, and so. that's where it can really swing, you know, is when you don't anticipate those kind of trait changes and you already were tight to begin with, you know. Right. So that's a, that is a concern yeah. that we have. Yeah. Well, I mean, basically every, yeah, like, like Cameron said, basically every trait package that's came out now. I mean, it's it's hard to find a, a bean that's not right. It's not in there. That's not in there as yeah. far as being able to spray glufosinate on. So. Yeah, right. So you know, one one silver lining is uh, you know our list business continues to grow and that trait continues to grow. And for now, that seems to be our best position as far as um, you know in the bean market is at you know our list one. Now the list duo not so right. much because of the glyphosate piece, but in list one, we got in early. We took the product in early, and so we seem to be in a good position there. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's good because, I mean, honestly, I mean, with the stack trait platforms, if you, mm-hmm. you know, I, th- I think the idea of the stack trait platforms is certainly to be able to mix up those active ingredients yeah. um, and try to help with weed resistance. Mm-hmm. But if it's just a simple, I have to protect my crop yeah. decision and you can't find glufosinate, yeah. I mean, it's good to know that at least something else is out there. Yeah. We'll have some we'll have some resistance management this year, whether we want it or not. You know, yeah, we'll see some absolutely. new chemistries that we haven't used a yeah, lot of that's true. previously. So that, from a weed resistance standpoint, that's not a bad thing. No, yeah. no, that is, that is true. When you start digging some of those products out that maybe haven't been on the farm for 10 or 15 yeah. years, that's a lot of weed generations yep. in that amount of time. You know, economically so. too, I think... You know, it's worth sitting down with somebody at MFA and, and going through kind of that cropping plan because what we've seen is, uh, like metulachlor is an example. Mm-hmm. So you have true S-MOC, you know, S-metulachlor, and then you have just a safened metulachlor, which is typically cheaper. And those two have inverted this year to where what was cheaper previously now is a little bit higher than uh, even some of our branded products. So I think it's good to really look at um, your cost per acre and plan that stuff out and not just assume that this has always been the cheapest because some of those products right now are the hardest to get a hold of. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, that's good advice. Mm-hmm. Um, what else have we missed, Cameron? Um, we kind of talked through, I think, most of the logistical problems. Or- yeah. Uh, you know, it's one of those things, like we talked about, you know, these places that are 
do these doing formulations, mm-hmm. they're not only the formulation place is not only for glyphosate. That's I mean, right. Yeah. It's a formulation plant for multiple things. It's that's like right. and so like you said, you know, they're gonna they're gonna formulate the product that's gonna make them the most margin mm-hmm. as a company. And so it's a matter of just hoping that we can get a balancing act from them as well and yeah. eventually they catch up, hopefully. Um, but yeah, like you said, fungicides. Mm-hmm. Um, we did run into short supply with fungicides yep. last year. Hopefully, you know, as I was talking to Adam before we got onto this, you know, fungicides and insecticides are two of those products that hopefully, you know, we don't necessarily run into a big issue with because there's one of those things that we're utilizing to help protect our crop, mm-hmm. especially this next year when we know guys are probably going to be cutting things back anyways because the way fertilizer mm-hmm. prices are mm-hmm. and stuff. If they utilize those products, they're trying to help protect the crop they have out there. And so right. hopefully we have product that can help those guys yeah. protect the crop that they have. Yeah. So that they can, you know, they can make more, they can make money as a producer so they can continue to buy products from us. Yeah. So. Yep. That's just, a good point. Yeah. It's going to be challenging. Well, I think you both made good points on, on the planning, the sitting down. Don't, don't make any assumptions this year. Go through that thing you know go through that cropping plan very detailed figure out kind of what your rotation is going to be i think we can um generally forecast what we can't generally forecast specific prices of some inputs but i think we know in a, as a general sense yeah you know we can look at the grain markets and make some of those kind of generalization discussions um even though some of that probably will continue to flux out as well but you guys make some great points and just um again not not cutting too many corners sitting down planning as much as we yep. possibly can um, anything else you want to add, Jordan, before we kind of cut this off as far as, um, like I said, you've made some great points. I appreciate all the explanations. You've made some, passed along some really good tips to folks for sure, things to be thinking about. Yeah, well, I, uh, hope, um, I hope the takeaway isn't that, you know, people get too concerned. Yeah. I think do your due diligence, you know, make yeah. sure and, and plan is important. I don't see this ending this year. I mean, there, there's almost no indication that we're going to be able to get it fixed. So, you know, waiting around for a better price isn't always going to be the right thing to do. So as you get into season, have your plan, know what you're going after. Yeah. Um, you always do your due diligence and make sure that, you know, that you're getting a fair price. Um, but I, I, I don't think that people need to wait to start looking at putting orders in, whether it's a grower or a retailer. You know, even if you don't have the product, if MFA knows what it is you need, it's going to yeah. be a lot easier for us to get it there when it's time to get it there. Right. That's right. Right. Well, thank you, Jordan, for coming in today. I know, like we, um, <laughs> you probably knew what we wanted when we walked in your office a yeah. couple weeks ago and tried to schedule something. Um, but uh, I think it's a good topic. It's something everybody's been talking about, and and um, so I think passing along from uh, kind of from our perspective what we actually see versus you know and and just with the media as a general rule these mm-hmm. days, you hear things people aren't always so trusting of yeah. what they hear, which I understand. I completely understand. Um, but we wanted to get, get you in here and kind of get your perspective of it from a more local level. And, and so we certainly appreciate your time. Yeah, appreciate so. you guys. Yeah, appreciate it, Jordan. Thank you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Thanks, everybody, for listening today, and we'll talk to you next time. Thanks for listening to Made for Agriculture. Email comments and questions to podcast at mfa-inc.com.